Welcome to Keanu Club, like a cool breeze over the mountains. This is episode 68, The Whole Truth, from 2016. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski, and with us today, we have a very special guest. Tobin Addington is back. Hello, Tobin. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. This is, oh, I was going to say this is going to, this might be your last episode, but we have you down for the Rain TV miniseries, which, if that <laughs> happens, it's supposed to come out this year. Don't know anything about it, so this might be your last Keanu. It might not be, but we went out not with a bang, but a whimper. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. This movie is somehow better and worse than I thought it was going to be and more interesting and less interesting than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> you have to explain that. I knew this as the Chinese lawyer movie because when the posters, I think, first came out, I think there was like a lot of Chinese writing on it. I don't know why it was sticking in my head. Am I crazy, Mike, or was that, is that something you know too? Yeah, at one point we were trying to figure out like the difference between this and Exposed, and I think we, yeah, something about this being marketed in Chinese before it came out in the States and sort of pushed more overseas originally. Was this video on demand? Is this his first official VOD? It was not in theaters. It's not listed in the box office mojo at all, so I, I, I would imagine so. All right, well, that's a benchmark. It is, but okay, I don't know why this wasn't in theaters. Not that it's great or not good, you know what I mean? But like, I just don't know why it wasn't in theaters, because we have Keanu, we have Renee Zellweger's first movie in six years. This was originally supposed to be Daniel Craig Whoa. Oh, wow. in the Keanu role, but he dropped out four days before they were supposed to start shooting. <laughs> yeah, because he finally read the script. <laughs> And then they replaced him with Keanu, and then they started shooting like two months later. So there was a delay. I don't know. There's no reason for why he dropped out. Maybe it was just as simple as he read the script. But, like, I don't know why this wasn't in theaters at all. It's weird to me that this went straight to video because, like, it doesn't look like a cheap movie. I mean, it's it did a little to me. I mean, it's right there on the border. Like, I really feel like it could have gone either way. It was just, like, a matter of where it landed, you know, who ended up putting the money out for it, really. And I guess they didn't feel like making prints or sending these out to actual theaters and that it was just easier to recoup right out on demand and right to DVD. It looks just as good as any other thing, but I mean, the line is so close between TV and film at this point, like it could have gone either way. Yeah, this felt much more like something that should have been on TV or, or has been done better on TV, you know, in terms of like a you think of twisty murder mystery, what's supposed to be a twisty murder mystery um, <laughs> trial thing, right? Like you think of, of The Night Of most recently or just things like that that like are, get much more complex and, 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 and do what this movie is trying to do in a much more complex and interesting way by sort of opening up the scope a little bit or at least getting to spend more time w with characters that, that have any meaning to us at all or not. Sure. So I don't know. I can't, it's hard for me to tell if this looks cheap or not. It, it doesn't look expensive given you know they're what they're on like four locations in the whole which, which i actually movie. i kind of like that though that it's not like a bottle episode in terms of tv but like it's the courtroom it's the house it's the motel room and then it's sort of like kind of back alleys or whatever in the airplane yeah just like oh the airplane also yeah but like everything right, it seems right, right. like it's it like i don't know 80 percent of it is so okay so get yeah, that's not a bad thing it's not a criticism no yeah no no, no yeah no it, that but that does seem like a 
budget restriction. And maybe that's because, like, you know, when they had to delay two months, maybe backers, you know, or financial backers stepped away. Like, I don't, I don't know. There's no information about this movie online. I feel like for VOD, like, this is, this is not a bad video on demand movie for his first. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like this is better than a lot of the Cage stuff. That well, what was Cage's first on demand? Because it was, if it was, I think it was The Hungry Rabbit Jumps, right? Seeking Justice? Which, yeah, that's also, that also looks good for video on demand. Yeah, that too. We had the same thing. We're like, why didn't this get a release theatrically? And we like, also both like that movie. movie. <laughs> yeah, we do. And even on second <laughs> viewing, like, yeah. But yeah, so this was we knew this is the Chinese lawyer movie, which has nothing to do with anything. I don't even think there were like Chinese film studios involved. It just it must have been just Keanu's Asian fan base, I guess. That in, I have no idea. I didn't know what it was going to be, but. It's not good, but it exceeded my low, low expectations. <laughs> and then for the kind of movie that it is, th- there's there's some unique takes on it, which also become frustrating. Like the fact that the kid does not talk, which is I don't know why. We don't we don't really yeah, know yeah, why yeah. he doesn't talk. So that makes it sort of more interesting that there are choices made. But then in the end, and I did not like the actual end of the movie, like the uh-huh. twist and the way that it sort of wraps everything up. I was just like, oh man, like come on. What I want to see is this Chinese lawyer movie <laughs> that you're describing. Like that sounds like it could be kind of cool. I remember this Richard Gere movie called Red Square that it was like a video on demand of its day in like 1990 whatever. Like barely got a release, but had to do with with sort of like I think he was a lawyer. And it was mixed up in some kind of Chinese thriller thing. And like, that sounds pretty cool to me. It certainly sounds maybe more interesting. It would add a little more specificity to this movie, which seems to be, seems to be sort of lacking a lot of specifics. For me, that the, that's the problem is the actual crime. Like when this movie started, I literally felt like a jury member. It was very much like procedural. Like we're going to just, I really thought this whole movie, we were just going to go through this case, like in close to real time. And I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. There's like this very bad <laughs> voiceover with Keanu. Yep. And I was like, no, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> when the court officers smiled at me on the morning of trial, I knew I was fucked. They weren't taking bets on this one. Mike killed his father, Boone Lassiter. Left his handprint on the knife. Confessed. Half my cases had evidence this bad. I just pled them out, got manslaughter, and moved on. But this was Mike, and I'd known him all his life. He was going to college and probably law school, and I doubted his mother could survive him going to the penitentiary. <laughs> but that all sort of falls away at one point when he calls the first witness, and they have the one saving grace of this entire film, which is the flashback device that they use, right? The, the cross-cutting is cool, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that almost almost saved the movie, because like people will be on the stand, Keanu will question them, and you'll see what actually happened. And well, is it what actually lying. happened, or is it like you'll see their actual memory at least? But you, okay. the, the, I think the point is that they're lying on the stand, and I thought that was interesting, and that and that kept me intrigued, believe it or not, to see where this was going. What What's crazy is that I don't know if it's. I don't know if what I'm about to say is true or not, but it seems like Keanu doesn't recognize that they're lying because, like, there's this whole scene. So, first of all, return to lawyer Keanu, back from The Devil's Advocate, except this time it's personal because the kid he's defending (laughs) is a family friend and just jumping to the end of the movie. Yeah, just spoil it. So, Jim Belushi is married to Renee Zellweger and they have a son. And so this kid supposedly killed his dad, stabbed him in the heart with a knife. And Keanu is defending him. This kid doesn't talk. And the kid says he did it because his dad raped him, which 
terrible plot device. We'll get to that. But then it becomes it, it sort of twists into oh maybe the wife killed him because he was beating her. And then at the end of the movie, we find out that Keanu killed Jim Belushi because he was having an affair with Renee Zellweger. And before he killed him, you know the lawyer Jim Belushi was also a lawyer, right? Yes. No, is, is he? Yes. I, yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Everybody's okay. a lawyer in this movie. I, he was, I no he was mentor. He was Keanu Reeves' mentor. Yes. He goes through this whole, or you know, no, I didn't we never catch really, that at all. Yeah, <laughs> okay. it's only in the voice. It's in the closing voiceover. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, weak. But yeah, so like, and that's when they cut to Jim Belushi saying like, "My wife's having an affair. She can't live without me," or something like that. And, Who's like really? I think he's the best out of everybody in this movie. Very yeah. menacing. <laughs> My wife is having an affair. Please. Seriously? So what do I know? I don't know. Divorce her, I guess. I'm <laughs> Ramsey. You know I can't do that. You know Loretta. She won't live without me. I was. I'm more used to laughing with him and at him, and I was like scared shitless of it. But the thing is, he did nothing wrong. No, yes, he did. Like he allegedly like fooled around with all the women on the plane all the time. Like you know, the neighbor boy saw him basically rape his wife. Did he? No, I think okay. Okay, so this is this is a whole Rashomon thing. It's no, it's 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 a modern day Rashomon. No, stop right now. I mean, it's basically stop. a remake. So the movie <laughs> posits that he raped his son, which never happened. It posits that he beat his wife, which that outdoor scene. So I think like the whole thing, like in terms of Rashomon, it's like what they think they saw, and I think you can see from that neighbor's perspective, the kid who loves Renee Zellweger, that. He sees it as, like, this physical act of violence, but it seems like they're just having rough sex. Like, I can see it sort of, like, you know, that she's kind of into it. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, and we do see her, like, hit herself with those bathing rocks and to give her... Which is nuts! That would be so amazing if Belushi was just, like, the most mild-mannered... That's what I think he is! But we have the one party incident that kind of throws it. Yeah, I think that's the one giveaway. Wait, which which party scene? Okay, so when the neighbor takes the stand and starts talking about he got drunk at the party and called his wife a stupid idiot and he's talking politics and she's like agreeing and he gets kind of like rough with her and everybody sees it. And then later Keanu sort of walks up to her and flirts with her for a minute. But So the fact that he had an argument with his wife while he was drunk is proof that he's a bad guy? No, but it's it's it it, it means that he's not a saint. You were you were saying that he was like a just normal guy and like the things he's we get we get that party scene from several different people's points of view and while it, they don't all match they, they it, it, he does all come across as as a real fucking asshole in those in that that scene and also we see him in the chauffeur's memory and in the in the uh, first time that the flight attendant talks you see him with all these women that he's had no but you don't the... though you see those you no you see those in the perspective when Gugu Mbatha Ra who is Keanu's second in command on the stand because they need a mixed race woman to defend this kid that would that Lupita Nyong'o auditioned for that and she didn't get it and this girl got it. I mean she this girl's been in a bunch of stuff but she, I think she was good in this superfluous character I mean just like take her out and spend more time on you know exploring the other characters that are actually on trial right but you you don't see Belushi with women until she's doing that 
decompression with Keanu and like he's like what did you see or she says oh well the limo driver was lying because he was talking about how he wanted to just drive him straight to the home straight home straight to the airport and the flight attendant is lying because she was cradling her hands or whatever and so that's when you see Jim Belushi with women when the flight attendant is on the stand we see her sitting there watching him and his son so like it's this whole like Again, I'm just playing devil's advocate and not to make a pun on that because yeah, – yeah, but yeah, just yeah, because yeah. there's nothing else to talk about. But I do think that, like, the way that the movie <laughs> characterizes Jim Belushi as this monster is pretty much – aside from that one picnic scene, the, the you know, the barbecue scene, whatever, I think everything that we see about him is something that this defense team sees – but never actually is said. that It's their interpretation on it, which we find out at the end, it's just Keanu lying the entire time because he knew that he killed Jim Belushi. <laughs> so everything, like I said, it's literally the most unreliable narrator we've had maybe in any Keanu Club movie because Keanu, our star, our defense lawyer, our guy who's, you know, doing his damnedest to defend this kid from a murder charge when the kid's like, yeah, I killed him. The whole thing is a lie because he killed him. Yeah, I have the flashbacks. I wrestled with that all through the movie so in Rashomon we always know exactly whose point of view we're in when we see the flashback and we always and we can understand why their point of view builds the story in the way that it does and that movie posits that there is no answer there is no capital T truth to sort of to any event in life let alone it's all, all built out of perspective this movie posits that there is a truth someone killed this man someone stuck a knife in this guy and in the end we're supposed to believe oh it was Keanu and, and then the son <laughs> the son covered it up because because he thought that the mom had done it, so he's covering for her till he sees the watch, and he's like, oh, fuck, now I'm into it. Whatever. The thing is, the movie doesn't know whose point of view it it is ever in in any of those flashbacks enough to let us know. It's always used for convenience in the moment, for like, oh, in this moment, this would be cool if we saw that this happened, except it's not consistent through the course of the movie. So I disagree and I'm not saying that I'm I'm not disagreeing to say that the movie's better but I think it's not that the movie doesn't know it's the fact that the movie doesn't want to tell us because that's the way that it builds suspense so it's not like I don't think that it's unclear whose perspective like I don't think the movie is unclear about whose perspective it is it's just the movie saying like I'm not going to show you the full picture because like that's the only way we're going to have this shocking revelation at the end that Keanu killed you know what I mean I think that's the reason it's ambiguous See, I think it would have been a stronger picture if they leaned much harder toward the reveal being that he was a good father and that the son right, and, right. right and that the son actually did cover up for the mom for whatever reason and and that he does get off because Keanu was able to be like this great lawyer who painted a picture of an abused kid and all this kind of stuff. Like I almost thought that that was where it was going to end. Then they do just that M. Night Shyamalan-worthy twist there at the very end when Keanu's the real murderer and we see the extra perspective from there. And it's yeah, and, and those flashbacks do sort of get a little too kind of cumbersome because, like, Keanu's at the picnic, you find out, and it's like, wait a minute, how can he be at the picnic but then be questioning this guy about what's happening and know he's lying about it? It gets kind of confusing because they are in each other's flashbacks a little too much and, and still only have their own selective memory of the event that happened that sort of um, cross-wires a little too much. So it does, it does feel a little too confusing convenient there at one point toward the end. I think they go a little too far with all that, even though I I do think it's cool. Like, all of this could work 
better with a little more with a little better um like talent behind like the script maybe or the better directing like i just feel like you know it's one pass away you know if they did play up that angle a little more it it, it could have been um like a four star instead of like a two star what i like about the direction is that it's a woman who directed this it's this woman named courtney hunt so I always like when there's a woman director. And I feel like we've had more for Kiana than we did for Cage. She did a movie called Frozen River. Right. Which I don't know, but with stars Melissa Leo and has generally way better reviews, at least on Letterboxd, than The Whole Truth. It was written by this guy, Nicholas Kazan, who wrote Enough, the Jennifer Lopez movie, Bicentennial Man, Matilda. So, I mean, he's written movies. It's just he hasn't written, like, great movies. Well, he wrote Reversal of Fortune, which is a – did Glenn Close win an Oscar for that or Jeremy Irons or somebody? There's a an Oliver Stone movie. Yes, he's not written a ton of what I would call my favorite movies, but he's an established screenwriter. Now, it's, he took his name off. Oh, he did. He, Raphael using, Jackson, yes. He's using a pseudonym, so that makes me curious. So, yes, there's. I don't see any, like, juicy goose behind the scenes about they re-edited this because it feels like it's just – a movie that like they they made to make you know like I don't think there's any like studio interference like it's not like Forty Seven Ronin or something where they completely recut the movie or exposed where the director and the writer you know he took his name off as a director because he's like this is not the movie I want to make it doesn't seem like there's drama here. Well, to me the voiceover feels tacked on. That to me feels like something that's been that was added at the very end to try and make sense out of things. And I I would be curious if some of the flashbacks were too. I'm wondering if that wasn't something added to the movie to try and to try and salvage what what they were trying to do. You know, to me, the most interesting version of this movie, once I sort of figured out what was going on, was the the story of a kid. Because we're told near the end of the movie that the that the that the son who's on trial is a judicial prodigy, which like he so he solved a cat murder or something. A cat poisoning, yes. Like, yeah, went to forensic camp. Like, come on now. But anyway, so that he's well, you, yeah, you didn't he like that he, flashback with him laying on a bed of cat pictures, <laughs> like holding one above his head. Like, hmm, I wonder who murdered this cat. They somehow oh, managed – this movie managed to make cats non-adorable somehow. <laughs> <laughs> you could imagine a movie about a kid who is on trial and by not speaking masterminds his defense in, in a way that kind of is what actually happens in, in the movie because he's so smart about the law. Because we're told, again, through voiceover because there's no other way to <laughs> get a lot of information, that Keanu Reeves says, you know, the reason he – if he told me early, I would have built the whole case around the, him being raped by his father and then the prosecutor would have destroyed it. That – I don't think the movie really does that or does anything with that. But you can see glimmers of a interesting like, – like Mike was saying – a pass or two or three away from an interesting version of this story. It's just that they didn't – for whatever reason, it's not what we've got. And you could even go like full thriller with this in the third act at one point and, and like have it be Keanu can still be the twist killer. Just lace it through the film a little more throughout that he might be a suspect because like everybody's a suspect except for him basically. The mom, the kid, the dead dad, the chauffeur, like the flight attendant. Like make us think the that Keanu's a suspect and use that character that he's sort of like that's tagging around with him right the girl the one that's supposed to be so smart like the human lie detector have right. her figure it out and have Keanu murder her in the third act and you know and like really go and like push <laughs> it to that territory and like have fun with it because otherwise it, instead of the twist sort of landing it just kind of felt like a dud 
The problem with the kid not talking is that when he starts talking at the end of the movie, he says all these like weird asides that don't make any sense. Because he says at one point, or Keanu says to him, something like, no matter what happens here today, this isn't the end. And the kid really bitterly says, yeah, like appeal, thanks a lot. And I rewound the movie four minutes because I was like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. rewatched the whole like scene leading up to it. And I still don't understand why he's bitter. Other than in his brain now, he knows that Keanu killed the dad and like he's got this contempt for his lawyer. I don't know. But then the kid turns around and he says to his mom, did dad really hit you? And Renee Zellweger says, of course he did, Mikey. And I wrote down, what? And we find out later that it's this kid trying to like piece together like who exactly is lying to him. Michael, whatever happens here, there are still things we can do, okay? What, like a peel? Thanks a lot. One question. Did dad really hit you? It's weird because the kid is the arbiter of truth, sort of, that he knows what's going on. Everybody knows what happened, but he's the only one that is, like, acting like he knows what he happened. And because he's the only one who's acting like he knows what happened, it makes him seem really weird because he, like, doesn't fit in this world of people who are lying to us. And even that makes it sound more interesting than it is. Oh, no, it's super boring. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's nothing worse than a silent character for that long. He doesn't talk for an hour. And then when he does talk, it's like, I was like, what? I can't believe like that was his defense, that he was going to come out and say that his dad raped him. So this is also what's weird, is that they do the opening statements, and they go to Keanu, and he defers, because the kid's not talking. And then later, the judge is like, you have another chance. He's like, I need to come out, I need to approach the bench, sir. And he goes up there, and he's just like, well, my kid wants to take the stand, I'm not going to do my opening statement, because I don't know what he's going to say. And I'm just like, what? And then the kid's just on the stand. Like, they just got to him on the stand. I'm like, I don't know how any of this is happening. Like, it feels like there's a thing cut out, but I guess not. Oh, you know what feels cut out is, at one point, halfway through the movie, there's that kind of like that bald guy that Keanu like gets tips from or stuff or like advice (laughs) like who the fuck was that oh the the, the really sexist guy yeah like why did he show up what is his story was he in conflict I think he's there for comedic relief He's like the investigator, or they, they talk, call him a jury consultant at one point. I mean, who, it's it's all for convenience. Keanu's name is Ramsey. I don't know if you ever get a first name, but it's got to be John, right? Like, he's just got to be John again. It's got to be John Ramsey. Right, yeah, or Tom. <laughs> so, Guhu Mbatha Raw, her name is Janelle, I think? Yeah, Janelle. So Janelle shows up, and she is, you know, like you said before, Mike, human lie detector, recognizes everything, observes everything, knows the reasoning behind everything, is wrong about everything, but, you know, whatever. She notices, like, when she's pressing the flight attendant the second time she was called to the stand, and the kid is like, ask her about the co-captain, whatever she notices that this woman has a wedding ring on and so she presses her about this affair and then you know makes her uncomfortable whatever and then this bald guy is just like hey that's why we have women lawyers to recognize like the wedding rings right and i think it's supposed to be like a laugh line but it's just like grown worthy like i think he's there as comic relief it just doesn't work but like what's his actual job carry boxes around (laughs) 
He just seemed so pivotal for the time that he was there, and I had no idea what was <laughs> happening with him. Just another way that the movie like almost works, right? Like there are just these moments where it's just like, why is that here? Just get that out and like focus on other stuff. Like, yeah, like you're so close here. One of the main issues with this movie reminds me of some criticism that I got when I was in grad school from a very excellent screenwriting teacher who was really hard on us, on me, and on, on us. And I resisted her for as long as I could. Like what she was trying to tell me. In, in retrospect, she was right about everything. But one of the things that she that she would say is that we like we wrote good scenes like the scenes themselves had reversals they were interesting you knew whose character were following all, all that stuff like the scenes themselves worked but you put them all together and they don't make anything that they're sort of disconnected from one another through with by either emotional logic or just actual logic and that those just sort of mashing together a bunch of sort of convenient scenes don't make a movie and this this movie i think really goes to show that like the people will show up his assistant has this whole like she was obsessed with some guy backstory thing. Oh yeah, that, she's, that has, she's certifiably crazy. Oh, I, I totally forgot about that. It doesn't mean anything to anybody in in the movie at all. It's just awful. But in that moment, in the scene where they're confessing, you're like, oh, this is kind of oh, we're getting something from these characters. And then it just gets dropped entirely after that. I think that's a symptom of something going on in this movie. Yeah, that's why I was like, oh, she needs to find out Keanu killed him then needs to be like in danger herself and stuff or, but no I actually thought like she was going to become the main character of the film but it, it literally is like watching a trial for most of it right it's like it just feels kind of like jury duty and it's not like <laughs> exciting the way courtroom drama is kind of like a few good men you know I mean granted you have way different caliber actors there and it was sort of a different time and that's a much more interesting trial right but yeah like there are ways to really make courtroom dramas dynamic and interesting yeah. you know like inherit the wind or like 12 i mean even 12 angry men which doesn't take place in the courtroom guys sitting around a table is shot more interesting at times than this movie Totally, totally. Boy. What else do I have in my notes? Oh, yeah, okay. So so one thing that I did write down is that at the beginning of the movie, Keanu's plan, we don't know why it's his plan, but his plan is to prove that the dad was a philanderer. And I'm just like, this seems like a weird defense. And then in that voiceover, he's just like, this is why I'm going to do it. And I was like, oh, like, I guess, thank you. Like, it kind of, like, the I think the voiceover is there because it's lazy, but, like, we, it's just, like, another example of, hey, this movie is not explaining why things, it's it's almost like, and this isn't the case at all, but it's almost like the movie's too smart for us. And they're like, well, obviously, like, you know, you know why. Like they, they put the movie together without voiceover. They're like, well, obviously, you know why Keanu's doing this because, like, you could, like we're all three three steps ahead. And then people watch the movie. They're like, not what? Like, why? I don't know. And then like, all right, well, all right, hold on, all right, all right. We're going to add voiceover so explain why this completely irrelevant, illogical defense is the only thing he can do. And it's like, oh, oh, okay, sure. It's just super weird. Having been hired in the past to write voiceover for movies to make them make more sense than, than they have in their in their current edit, this feels to me like it was. I would be shocked if this was in the original draft of the script. Maybe it is because they're playing on kind of gothic noir kind of thing. But but to me, it feels so slapped on to what's to what's going on in the movie that my guess is that I wonder if the version of this movie, the way it's shot, that did not have the voiceover, would be even worse. I wonder if the voiceover, as as clunky and as, as sort of inelegant as it is, might actually make this movie more palatable than it would be otherwise. Having seen that happen with movies, that would just be my guess. Yeah, because this, this movie's not good, but it could be a lot worse. 
Yeah, that's a good call. You're right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When the voiceover yeah. started, I did start groaning, but when it came back, I was like, oh, good. Like, <laughs> I, I kind of need to, like, get caught up a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a bad voiceover, but, like, it's doing the film, like, a good service, you know? It's helping me. I wasn't bothered by the voiceover as I was by Keanu's final underwhelming speech. Like, his closing argument is just so boring, and I guess it's because, like, we don't really know what's going on. And also it's boring because there's still a couple twists to come that, like, the jury, he says in voiceover, he's like, you know, the jury found him not guilty of, of first-degree murder. And he's like, you know, the jury knew he did it, but they did what they knew was right or something. I'm like, oh, okay, like, super weird. So that's a twist. And then the other twist, like, yeah. you know, Keanu killed him. So, like, the final speech is supposed to be like this, like, I think, like, crescendo. And the movie's like, nah, we don't care about that. We got more crazy stuff coming. Then Michael told for the first time, something he had never uttered in his life, that his father abused him, violated him, repeatedly. And that when his father had threatened him on the plane to do this again, before he went to college, something in Michael said no no more i ask you to do the just and right thing send this boy back home with his mother find the defendant not guilty and release him from this nightmare yeah you're totally right like the movie should have ended with with the big speech and the verdict and then cut the credits but instead they really needed Keanu to be the twist killer. Uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, if it ended after the verdict, would you have been satisfied? No, but I wasn't <laughs> more satisfied as it went along. You know what I'm saying? Like, I felt like that was a good end. Plus, you know, the idea, like, I was kind of, that. it, it felt strange to me that he got off at all because, I mean, like, he admitted to killing the guy. His hand print was on the knife he took the stand and basically said i killed him you know because he raped me but i mean can he still get off for that like that confused me so that's why i think it would have been a good ending when they're just like not guilty credits and i would have been like what that would have been like a curb your enthusiasm ending just like uh this doesn't make any sense cue the tuba yeah I feel like everything we're saying about this movie makes it sound more interesting than it is. Like there, this is one of those movies that's hard to talk about because as you begin to express it out loud or your thoughts about either the funny version or the thriller version or the TV version, or it, it makes it sound more appealing. But I am in no way endorsing this experience, experience of watching <laughs> no. this movie. Yeah, like it's not good. Like I'm not saying people should go out and see it by any means or anything, but like having had to watch it, you know, like we have to watch it yeah. for Keanu Club. Like it is by no means like the right. worst of the worst or anything right. of that nature. Like it is right. passable. No, it's firmly uh, in the middle best. of my list. Yeah. We have seen we have seen together the three of us, <laughs> the worst of the worst. So okay. So another big sticking point in this movie is that when the cop is on the stand, who just disappears completely from the movie, when the cop is on the stand and she's debating between like whether he said should have done this a long time ago or I should have done this a long time ago, <laughs> the grammar nerd in me was thinking like neither of those implies that he did it in the present. 
you could see a dead body, right. like, you right. know, this father that you hated or whatever, right? And whether you say should have done this a long time ago or I should have done this a long time ago, it means the same thing in that you wish that you had done it a while ago, but neither implies that you did it actually. So, like, there's this whole sticking point about, like, well, what did, what did he say? What did he say? And she's like, I know for sure. He said, I should have done it. But even what she's quoting is not exactly what he said, because we see in the flashback that, like, there's other words changed. Well, again, we don't know what he said. We have no idea what he said in the flashback. They're never giving us what Well, because we have, like, four different versions of that same scene. Right. right. Because like, it's Rashomon. Wouldn't one of the lawyers <laughs> ask <it>. him, <laughs> wouldn't the lawyer ask him when he takes the stand, what did you say when the police came into the room like what did you say when you saw your father's dead body to your mother like can't we get that's what frustrated me like maybe I mean am I just like is that bad lawyering to just like you know ask the same questions I think it's bad film editing the thing that you realize by the end of like with the knowledge of the end of the movie in place. The scene where Keanu is interviewing the kid is makes more sense in that at the time we're watching and we're thinking, okay, he's Keanu's being very trepidatious because he's the kid hasn't spoken, so he doesn't know what's gonna come. And then the rape allegation comes and that he sort of edges his way around that as he's asking these questions. And in retrospect, there's a question in my mind of, does Keanu wonder if the kid is going to implicate him, right? Has the kid figured out that it's him, who, who that is Keanu, who did it? And so that's why he's being very, you know, it's, it's one of the few places in this movie where the twist, I think, affects the way it seems to play in, in, a, in a way. You know, the thing about twist, with twist endings is to make them work best, the movie has to be satisfying and interesting up until the twist. We have to walk away from the movie prior. If you turn the movie off before the twist, you have to walk away saying, at least, oh, that was interesting. Oh, that was pretty good. You know, you have to be somewhat satisfied with it. And so the, then the twist takes it that much farther. And in this case, well, in this, the, this case, it doesn't, <laughs> the twist doesn't even do anything really to us at the end for all kinds of reasons. But that one scene to me does seem to play you could play with or without that knowledge and it sort of it works in two different ways. It's also powerful because it's the first time in a non-flashback that the kid talks and so you're like, because even though it's not explicitly saying this, the movie is building up to that kid saying something and even if it's not the best right. movie, you're like, okay, like what is it going to be? And then for him to basically come out and be like, hey, my dad raped me for since I was 12, it's just like, oh, like, okay, this is where this movie's going. All right, like let's, let's just see what happens and I feel like <laughs> that's sort of, I mean, like you're saying, like it's Keanu worried that he might implicate him and it works on a couple different levels, but it's also Keanu sort of as the audience surrogate, like, whoa, like, that's not that's not what I expected at all. Like, that's out of nowhere. He knew. He knew. Once I went off to college, he wouldn't be able to do it anymore. Do what, Mike? Break me? I'm sorry. Be able to rape me anymore. Did you guys guess that's what he was going to say? No, but I should have because it's the lamest excuse to like right. to demonize a person. <laughs> to either like to show that somebody is a victim or to show that someone's a monster. That's the easiest thing in a film, and it's just, it's lazy. I just don't buy him. Like I just he just didn't convince me. I don't feel like the kid was a strong enough actor or in that moment sold it to me as a viewer because when he said that, like I literally was just. Like I, I didn't give it like a concerned. What I gave it like a such a confused and like off guard. What is going on here right now? Like I can't believe that's where it went. 
I feel could have been played a lot better by a stronger actor. Yeah. I feel like the kid's a bit of a weak link here. Which is saying something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Can we just quickly, I mean, um, Renee Zellweger. I should have known because it's right on the DVD cover, but I literally wrote down halfway through this movie, this woman... I wrote down not Bridget Jones because she looks so much like Renee Zellweger and it's her and like she's just like completely unrecognizable in this movie I don't know what is going on there but well didn't she have like a lot of plastic surgery was this before or after that after I think it's got to be the answer it's got to be after all of that I mean I don't really you know I don't talk about I mean look Tom Cruise has had tons of plastic surgery too right but he still kind of looks recognizable like she looks like a completely different person I couldn't really couldn't place it yeah it's a delicate subject to deal with i remember when when the some first red carpet photos of her came out after she'd been sort of out of the public spotlight for a while and there was a uproar on all sides about people saying oh my god she doesn't look human and people and making fun of her and people saying like this is what you know sort of take, taking the other side and her defense and all, all that aside you know the thing that happens sometimes when actors alter themselves uh, surgically is that it makes it more difficult for them to act. There's a, there's a, someone explained it to me once that like the, all those tiny, tiny muscles all over the face that make little tiny moves here and there, little uh, constrictions or whatever is part of what conveys, especially on film, uh, emotion and, and thought. And if you've either through what you've injected or what you've sculpted or what you've tightened or tugged or whatever, like you, you, it can make it really hard to convey it anything as an actor and i feel that there's some of that going on here again i'm not saying oh my god plastic surgery is terrible and i just it just it just seems to affect her performance yeah i mean i I don't even necessarily feel like she looks that bad like she doesn't look bad per se she just doesn't look like she looks different yeah yeah it was sort of like an arrested development situation going on right right? when that show came back you're just like wait a minute Yeah, you wonder, you wonder if they recast, right? Like, yeah, you're wondering if yeah. they recast yep. the role. Yeah. There was a line. This movie crossed the line. <laughs> when Janelle, when Gugu Mbatha-Ra is talking to Keanu about, like, what if our defense is wrong? And not looking at my cousin Vinny, like, no, my, the defense is wrong. Like, that that whole thing <laughs> from another better courtroom movie. But she's just like, yeah. well, what if the kid's lying? Like, what if we're lying? Like, what if... And she has no idea that Keanu's lying still. But, like, she's basically saying this thing, and Keanu basically says, like, I don't care. He's just like, yeah. And the way he delivers, yeah, I was like, that's the perfect Keanu line. Like, she has this entire long, like, you know, what if this is this? What if this is that? Like, what does it say about us? What does it say about you? What does it say about me? And Keanu's just like, yeah. What if Mike didn't stab his father and our defense is a lie, too? He wasn't molested. Yeah. 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 That might be true. I don't know. Or care. And it's like... (laughs) And and they cut back to her, and she's just like, what? And, like, it's... It was so... I don't think it was intentionally funny. It might have been, but it was unintentionally funny because it's just like, he just doesn't give a shit because I think he's also trying to figure out, like, he's worried because the kid might talk like, I don't know. It's just this weird, maybe that's another, maybe maybe every scene in this movie works better when you have Keanu just terrified that he's going to be out at some point in this trial. Yeah, that's a crazy thing. Like now, I never took him as scared, but looking back, there are a lot of moments, like, that's why I wish it was laced through a little 
more yes, right yes. that it was that they're gonna say like oh it could be Keanu because like looking back there are moments where it's like shit he's almost getting caught or like saying too much or maybe like could give himself away a bit but I also feel like he's really good in this movie um, you could you know, you could argue me if you want to, but I like lawyer Keanu a lot, and I feel like he's comfortable here. Like, he's really, like, sort of swinging through this role a little bit. I don't know. I just feel like he's really into it for some reason, and that's helping me follow along a bit. Is like, I can tell, like, he wants to be there for whatever reason, uh, so I'm going to stick around. So this movie was originally supposed to take place in Philly, I think, and then when... Daniel Craig dropped out, they they moved down to Louisiana, which also signals to me that there was budget changes. Maybe not budget uh-huh, issues, but uh-huh. Louisiana has yeah. all these like, you know, huge incentives to film down there, which is why three out of every four Cage movies shoots down in Louisiana. Um, <laughs> but what I really kind of miss in terms of like Lawyer Keanu is, just like Devil's Advocate, I kind of wish, and maybe it would be too similar to 12 Angry Men and other courtrooms type things, but I wish it was just like hot as balls and like people were sweating. It just feels mm-hmm. like nobody yeah. is feeling the heat metaphorically or literally at all like everybody's just super calm the entire time which yeah. i guess is maybe real but like i don't want real like in, in a movie where the twist is that the lawyer killed the guy i don't want <laughs> realistic courtroom i want like movie courtroom yeah and there's really unfortunately no kind of artistic flair going on and i don't want that to be like any kind of slam against the director because god knows like there's enough to really deal with you kind of like work that in if you've got more money time to deal with that kind of stuff but you're right like i really wish that there was some moments that were more elevated than reality like even those flashbacks right like they could have done more than maybe put like a what do they do? They basically just sort of like the edge of the frame is out of focus or something like So yeah, I really wish there was a bit more going on there. You know, here's the, here's the thing that gives the lie to the idea that the dead guy is a nice guy is that, so either Keanu is a sociopath, which I don't think we're supposed to believe that he is. I think the movie's trying to tell us that he's at heart a decent guy. Right? I mean, in general, through... Uh, I don't think think it makes a decision one way or the other. Well, it it does. It does because he shows zero remorse for having killed this guy. Like... He just kills him and and, and, then, and then feels nothing and only because he was caught there with her. So if she wasn't here, here's the thing. If she had not been being abused by him, then the movie needs to be rewritten a fifth time because he needs to be like a sociopath. He has to he has to truly have have no remorse that he's banging his best his, his mentor's wife. And then the, he comes mentor comes home and he knifes him in the heart because he couldn't sneak out the back door. Like, I, I you know, what I, mean? I just realized just now when you were talking that the reason he's caught is because they canceled that third college visit. Like, that's so like, that's it's such a yeah. big part of the movie that like, they never connect the dots. And it's just like, by the end of the movie, you sort of forget that that happened. But they were going to visit yeah, three be- colleges and he's like, and the dad, Jim Belushi's like, yeah, you don't need to go to that one. Even though the kid really wanted to go to that one because you see the kid doodling Reed in his Reed, notebook yeah. in the courtroom. And so because of that, they yeah, show up, and- you know, a day earlier or whatever and Keanu's there banging right. Ray Zellweger. Right. And wouldn't you have seen his car? Like if, he, if, if Belushi's going to be gone for an extra day, like park in the front, right? Like he's... 
Yeah, see, that is all. That all needed to be much more clear that it was all the, connected that way. Because I didn't even pick up that this was sort of like an instant murder. I thought it was all premeditated, and I thought he came over there to kill the guy, and that this was all planned. Like he's coming home, we're gonna get him, and now's the time. Like I love you, and and I almost almost got the sense <laughs> that they played it up that the mom Renee Zellweger wasn't as stupid as she as we thought she was and that she was kind of playing Keanu to kill the husband and then was hoping that he might get caught for it but then like the kid shows up uh, and so like that is the snafu even though it doesn't hit as hard as it should I still do believe that the kid wasn't supposed to show up and take the blame and that yeah, sort of that's like right. yeah all became like a big I also don't understand why the kid would take the blame at all right Right, because his yes. because his mom was beaten because he really does believe that she was beaten and abused by this man. That's the but only that's a defense too. Like if his brilliant lawyer mind is to say, like in that moment, if he's like, okay, here's the plan, I'm going to take the blame and I'm going to say that he raped me. That's the equivalent on some level, right, of him beating the wife. And so maybe he's just worried that the mom won't be able to sell it on the stand? Yes. Remember when she's on the stand, she won't say what he said Oh, to her. yeah. He knows his mom is not going to be able to handle it. And so he's, like, going to take take one for her. That's his whole – that's the whole scheme. And that only works if he believes that Belushi has been rough on the mom. So he asks her that, but he asks her that after the fact, like at the end of the trial. Yeah, because by then he knows that it's Keanu. But he knew all along because he saw the watch. He knew no. all along. Yeah, no. like he no. Oh, he knew no. he knew when they put the cuffs on, he saw the watch. Oh. He he only knew after he grabbed the handle of the knife. He's already in. He put his hand on the blood, he grabs the handle of the knife, and then he sees the watch. And then somewhere between there and Keanu you know, and his and his revelation, he's figured it out. We don't know when exactly. It might have been right away, it might have been later when he saw the watch. Like we're not told. Okay. But he makes the decision before he knows that Keanu was there. But in the moment before the cop shows up, he sees the watch and knows that something is amiss. Yeah, but he's already grabbed the knife at that point. He's already put his hand on the blood and grabbed the knife. Okay. He's What's even weirder, though, himself. is that he looks back and the watch is gone. Does that mean Keanu oh, somehow no. was no, no, under no. the No, no, no. So what happened was that out? Renee Zellweger Renee, Renee knelt, yeah. knelt down oh, and picked it up, and then that. they had this like this covert handoff in the hallway. Oh, jeez. So dumb. <laughs> so dumb. Compared to so much other Keanu, it's not bad. It's just... It isn't. You're right. And watching it goes down pretty easy i have to say like talking about it and reflecting upon it and sort of poking all these holes in it like way more holes emerge than are actually visible it's a, while it's a weird example where i wish the movie was longer yeah yeah you wish it was a tv show you wish this was a six episode tv show and then and then it, it had time to develop the kid next door right like my first guess like 15 minutes into the movie was that the kid next door killed Belushi because he was trying to save Renee and then the the son took the blame for the friend. Like that's where I thought Well it's because the movie sets up everyone as a possible killer except for Keanu which I guess is why you should have been like oh it's probably Keanu. Like the only more of a twist I guess would have been if you know, Gugu and Batha Ross. Suicide. Or, or suicide. <laughs> you know, Keanu Harakiri'd himself a couple movies ago in 47 Ronin. Maybe Jim Belushi's like, I can do that. <laughs> 
We're so negative on a movie that's just sort of it's just bland. Well, that's the problem is it's just bland. Like it's so tough sometimes. What's so frustrating is that for some weird reason the potential is actually here. If there was just you know if it just had one one or two more notches on its belt, like you said, like if it was a hot sweaty courtroom or they really played with the atmosphere a lot more. If the trial was a little more interesting, I'd have to say you know a little yes, more yes. sort of intricate. There's really it's so cut and dry. There's no even like surprise witness or any kind of well, I suppose the boy's the surprise witness, which is kind of dumb. <laughs> like to be the surprise witness at your own trial. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> yeah, if it, if it was just a better crime, uh, then I think like all of these elements would have come together about a lot better. The one thing I did like is that. The motel that they're in reminded me of the next movie that we're going to watch, The Neon Demon, where, where Keanu is a motel manager. So I like that. Uh, that's that's. Cool. You know what I liked was um, Keanu. We got to see him on a motorcycle in this movie, and that's when, you know, it was one of his big passions. Did we? I missed that. Oh, yeah. He oh, rides yeah. the uh, BMW bike in this Oh, in the movie. beginning? Yeah, in the beginning, and I think it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I missed but, all of that. Uh, yeah, in the middle, yeah. too, yeah. He's the biking, uh, the biker lawyer. Oh boy, yeah, that's that's cool. I just didn't notice it. I think maybe you guys' sense of this movie is skewed by all the Keanu. Oh God, it's bad. You know, I, I in my notes I said I would have thought this was even worse had I not seen Generation Um, which can be said for any movie. I realize, but that does not make this movie better than it is. It makes this movie is still lazy. This still this is still a movie that, a movie that you get the script, you hire a new writer, and you say we want a page one rewrite of this where you keep the fact that it's a lawyer and that the lawyer trying the case is actually guilty. Now go give us something else. <laughs> You start from the beginning with with some of the basic premise to the thing, and and I totally agree about the hot sweaty courtroom. Imagine this version of this movie that's a the Grisham version, where like the air conditioning has gone out in the courtroom, right? And like it's just sweltering, like hot as summer on record, whatever. And that and that they're in the like the swamp and stuff. Like that would that could have been that could have been at least again more specificity could have been could have made this at least more interesting. Yeah, and I, I agree it's not a good movie, um, but I, you know, that doesn't mean, you know, it's not enjoyable or entertaining to a degree. At least, yeah, like you said, having uh, us having gone through, you know, so many worse films at that. But my ultimate version of this, I suppose, and there's got to be one out there somewhere, is there's there's got to be like a 40s black and white version that like Warner Brothers put out at some point of like the murdering lawyer twisted, right, in the water. Yeah, yeah. Of course, that's got to be. So I'm on a search for the inspiration to this movie. Wish me luck. <laughs> you, could probably, you could probably Google, like, movies where the defense lawyer is the murderer, and, like, because if you're looking for that movie, you're, you're going to look, you're going to know the twist, so just find a good one. I agree that this is not a good movie, but I still also have it, because now that I've seen this movie, and I've seen the next two that we're doing, and I've also seen The Bad Batch, which, as we record this, is coming out either this month or next month. I can never remember when it's actually coming out. I've seen every Keanu movie to date, and so I know this isn't good, but it's still, I have it number four. 40 out of 62. So there's still so much Keanu that I think is worse than this, which is shocking. Yes, I've seen a number of the movies that are below this on your list, and most of them I would agree. I still wouldn't put something that's got to give quite as low on the I list. Just as don't you like do. it. You you were on most of these episodes too. I know, baby. I mean, all this stuff. And, and as as performances go, I, I would much rather watch his scenes from Something's Got to Give than anything from this movie again. He, again, he's not bad. And I do like 
he's not bad here. And I do like Keanu Lawyer. I, I agree. I think that it's neat to see him sort of competent and he just needed maybe one more limp and one more eye patch, you know, and then, then connected to somehow him being the, him having been the killer and having killed his mentor for love of the mentor's wife who would never leave him, who was tormented by him. And, you know, like there is a version of that that works <laughs> a lot better than this. It's just not this, just not just not this movie. Well, I guess, you know, the apology tour continues that I have to say once again, I'm sorry to our guest for making you watch this movie no no i do not this is not you do not have to apologize i did not like this movie i don't think this is a a well-made movie but i i did not hate this movie i didn't hate the experience of watching it it was just bland and and i i think i resent that more than dislike it so no no apologies i i previously i will accept the apology for generation m i i will not i no need to apologize for this all right i still feel like our apology tour keeps on trucking i mean the good news (laughs) is that the next three movies are all good I don't know what's coming after that. I've seen at least the next two, and I can tell you I, I like those a lot, especially the next one. I'm very excited to rewatch that. Yeah, so we have Neon Demon and then John Wick Chapter 2, and then I'm assuming the next one we're going to do, just based on a release schedule, unless something gets plopped in VOD, will be The Bad Batch. But he's also got other movies coming out this year. Like, he's got To the Bone with Lily Collins. He's got Maybe Rain, which Tobin will be on. We've also <laughs> got Replicas, which might come out, which should be pretty cool. I don't know. I mean, there's, like, there's stuff that he's doing. And then I feel like what's weird is that, you know, this sort of signifies, you know, his BOD era, just like Cage. But now I feel like, because he hasn't really done that much per year. But now, you know, starting 2016, it seems like he's up to four or five a year. But he's also not just Cage like leading man in all these he's sort of a couple times you know like next episode and you know other a couple other things recently he's sort of being a supporting role which is kind of actually pretty cool yeah that's like something he has done after he's had like a major success you know like he'll then go and sort of seek out smaller indie movies with bit parts and then it feels like he works his way back up to like a new franchise or another big mainstream success or something like that you know because like earlier like the matrix he sort of like or like after bill and ted's and all those he sort of did the gus van sant stuff and much smaller things and then after the matrix he went off and he did like way smaller stuff so now after like john wick he's going off and doing like some different smaller things but he's definitely still working he's still out there so i you know while we only have like two or three more official episodes of this run of keanu club like it's i don't think it's gonna be over anytime soon no and it's also important to point out that as we're recording this they just announced that the continental which is a tv series in the john wick universe has been picked up i think and that he's going to appear on it he's not going to be like really in it much i'm guessing he'll just sort of be passing through i hope he's sort of like george clooney passing behind brad pitt in oceans 11 in that one scene where just like keanu's like just walking around the background like sort of like extras like i wish it was like it's like an extra situation where just keanu's just in the background like walking up and down the hall and just doesn't have a line like that'd be pretty funny i also want to be on record that I don't want this to be a TV series. It just, it seems unnecessary. Yeah, I would prefer they just kept it as a trilogy of films, you know? I mean, it it harkens back to a time in filmmaking before, like, a franchise really exploded into, like, nine or ten movies per franchise. Uh, You really only got those, like, horror films, maybe. So, like, I kind of love the idea that John Wick was just going to be a three-film universe. Uh, But so now, like, everything, it's just got to go wherever it can go. Yeah. Tobin, any last thoughts about the whole truth and nothing but? Nope. Mike, any any last thoughts? Nope. 
All right. Well, Tobin, thank you so much for joining us. So this might be Tobin's last episode of Keanu for a while, but he is our first guest, and this is a new thing we're doing, announced today, which means that I'm probably going to post it on Facebook if I remember today, as you're listening to this, <laughs> but probably I won't remember. We are starting a new podcast in the fall, which is, it was going to happen a, a week after we finished Keanu Club, but then we cut out all the other extra stuff, so it's just, you know, we get a little bit of a gap. But we are doing a new podcast called Cinemakers, where we're going to watch every film by a given director and have the same guest on for the entire run. The first director we're doing is Steven Soderbergh, and the first guest is Tobin. And so we are doing all of Soderbergh's movies. They're going to come out every Monday, starting September 18th, and it's going to be like 33 weeks for Soderbergh. So there's a whole lot. We're not doing any other directors that are that big, that prolific, I don't think. But it's a it's a really cool way to start. So that that Danny Ocean Clooney passing behind Brad Pitt was going to be a teaser, and then I'm like, we may as well just announce it now. So uh, subscribe to that. That'll be up on iTunes soon or now-ish. I don't know. But the first episode drops September 18th. So get excited for Cinemakers. So thank you, Tobin, for everything in Keanu Club. Do you have any closing sentiments about Keanu as we end phase one? Boy, you know, just briefly having looked at your list as you've ranked best and words you like the most, like the least, like I've seen like three or four from the top 20 and three or four from the (laughs) bottom 20. (laughs) So I sort of, sort of, sort of all over the place. It's having listened to the podcast as you guys have done it. You guys sat through some real dogs in this and I, it's kind of impressive actually but i think that he is an actor who it seems to me is um, maybe trying to has always tried to sort of defy what's expected of him in a way as you were saying mike he'll do a big movie and and have a huge success and then go do a bunch of small things and i you know i appreciate that about about an actor and they're 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 not those are not all going to hit clearly but but there is at least at least some sense that he's that he's trying to stretch himself to some degree or at least at least sort of vary what he does and that's kind of cool i like it better when he's on a hot streak when he's <laughs> when he's hit, working with good directors i think that makes it that seems to me to make a big difference with him working with with directors who can sort of pull unique performances out of him so i've really enjoyed it i i hope to to do more in the future as as he has more things come out but yeah this has been fun cool well thank you for joining us on this roller coaster of a ride very bumpy road but you know there's there's a lot of good stuff and there's a lot of bad stuff we still have more in phase one we've got a couple more episodes and then we've got this will go on forever until he stops making movies so lots of keanu still to come so for all things keanu club and cinemakers and everything else that we do you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub or at cageclubpod on twitter you can see all the shows on our network you can subscribe to them all on itunes or google play or stitcher and just do lots of fun free things to listen to and read and whatever at those three places i'm joey lewandowski and i'm mike mancy and that was tobin addington and we'll see you next time on keanu club
Yeah. Yeah. 